now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here breaking down the latest NFL week. It's like week 13 at this point, I think. I don't even know anymore, Rich Hill. It's all backwards. <laughs> the Patriots play on Thursday night for the second week in a row. This is a very weird schedule I'm on. Hopefully you are handling it better than I am because I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. I don't know what's up, what's down. I'm a mess. So hopefully you're doing better than I am. Yeah, well, you know, we're embarking on a, a four-week stretch of primetime games. Fortunately, they get a big rest after this one before they go to Arizona and play the Cardinals uh, after this Thursday night game against the Bills. But, uh, yeah, it was a nice little Thanksgiving break, little uh, reprieve from, uh, you know, everything. It was nice to have, like, the Patriots game done so you're not really stressed out on Sunday. There was, uh, there was a lot to take from that game, Alec. Uh, where do you want to start? Well, I guess I'll start with, uh, I prefer personally uh, a butt fumble Thanksgiving versus a Minnesota <laughs> Thanksgiving. That Jets-Pats game was much more fun to watch. But I guess we should probably start with the good because there were a lot of good things about this game and I left it not as as miserable as I have other Patriots losses this season. One of their best, if not their best performance offensively of the year. I thought Mac Jones looked fantastic. He threw some absolute dimes. He was a mostly clean pocket for him. The offensive line did a good job in protection. Uh, They were in position to win this game several times. So hopefully they can build on that for the Bills game coming up tonight. Um, I I, I really am impressed with what they could put together. And it's amazing what happens, Rich Hill, when there's not massive pressure on every single snap and Mac Jones can actually make his throws. Oh, it's true. It's true. Like, I, I think that there was a lot to really like about this offense. Definitely some things that, like, we need to talk about as ongoing challenges. But, I mean, a lot of the problems that we saw, uh, love that Mac Jones had that time in the pocket, as you said. Like, that's been some of the best that we've seen all year. That was fantastic. The distribution, I thought, was something that was fantastic. I, I wish that they didn't throw so much to Ramondre, but, uh, you know, with Jacoby Myers getting dinged up, that really shifted where, uh, you know, Mac could use as a safety blanket. But, you know, uh, going down the list, Parker, four for 80, Stevenson, nine for 76, Aguilar, six for 65 in a score, Henry, three for 63 in a score, and it should have been more, uh, Myers, three for 62, Bourne, three for 36. Like, they were dishing. And they were spreading the ball out. And like one of the challenges that we've seen in recent weeks and part of the inefficiency of the passing offense has been just like the entire offense was Jacoby Myers and Ramondre Stevenson. And I am wondering if perhaps that injury to Jacoby Myers was a little bit of a blessing in disguise because it forced Mac Jones to go into other players, it forced the Patriots to open up their playbook and it forced them to use, you know, the other receivers that are clearly very talented that the Patriots just for whatever reason have not found a way to get integrated. And I am hopeful that they'll be able to do that moving forward and get the you know passes to players that aren't Myers because the offense is just so much more effective and efficient when they're able to spread the ball across the entire field and not just keep it consolidated to the middle with Jacoby. No, no, absolutely. I mean, I hope, hopefully Jacoby's going to play tonight. I think he's going to play tonight, so it's not a serious injury. But yeah, having him banged up like that again, I, I'd be very curious to know if that was always the plan or if it kind of forced New England's hand. And if it's kind of just like the play calling, I mean, if, if your point is correct, 
then it's more Mac Jones as a play calling because Mac Jones is zeroing in on him versus scheming guys open, which the Patriots are very good at doing or had been very good at doing in years past and, and creating mismatches and being able to read the defense in a way that audibles receivers into the position where they can have the most success. Uh, I also, the fact that they used all three levels of the field, there were mm-hmm. quick outs, there were middle routes, there were some deep shots uh, that, that Nelson Aguilar is like a 34 yard touchdown pass was an absolutely beautiful throw and an amazing answering drive. I know I am guilty, Rich, when the Vikings marched right down the field and scored on their opening possession. My first thought was, all right, here comes a uh, incompletion, a negative two yard loss, and then a sack for yep. a three and out. That yep. was my right. That That's what I thought. You think the same thing? <laughs> absolutely. I yeah. did. And they responded, boy, did they respond. One of the best offensive drives of the season. So, and the Vikings are not a bad team. They're definitely not a bad team. They're one of the better teams in the NFC. So it's not like this was, was, was shoddy competition here. Uh, so they're obviously showing that there is enough talent to compete with these teams. But Rich Hill, as always, kind of another recurring, an unpatriot-like theme of the 2022 season, stupid errors, dumb penalties, yep. fixable mistakes they just don't seem to fix, and shooting themselves in the foot costs them points, costs them possessions, and ultimately costs them the game. Yep, no, totally. I mean, you look at, uh, I, I saw someone post this on Twitter, the Patriots you know, lost by seven points. The amount of expected points lost through the different penalties that they picked up was worth like 7.6 points. And like that includes like the running into the punter, which was just a terrible, terrible play. But it's like the Patriots mistakes were literally the difference. Like you can point to the officiating, you point to the missed penalties or uh, the fact that Hunter Henry did score a touchdown there. Uh, But there was enough problems by the Patriots. There was enough inconsistency and sloppiness that cost them the game that like they should, it shouldn't have come down to whether the officials would like call something or not, but like uh, they, they just continued to like negatively affect themselves um, both from like a sloppy standpoint, but also uh, thinking of uh, just going over three in the red zone. That's the yep. biggest problem I think I have coming out of this game is that the Vikings were this, the, uh, I believe the worst defense in the entire league we were talking about in the red zone uh, going into this game. And the Patriots went 0 for 3 on scoring touchdowns in the red zone, settled for three field goals, which is just bad. That 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 is uh that is beyond just the difference. That is just highlighting that this is an ongoing issue. And so despite all of the positives that we saw from the offense, that is where my mind goes where I still feel concerned. Yeah, I mean, look, this Patriots team is gonna score touchdowns if it's first and ten from the 35 or first and goal from the two. And anything in between those two points, you're looking at a Nick Folk field goal. And that didn't change at all, despite the the quality offense we did see uh, last Thanksgiving night. And again, I think we're we're in week 13 now. It kind of is what it is. And with the Bills on the docket tonight, I don't necessarily see that changing uh, in one game. Uh, Rich, I guess we have to talk about it. It is the elephant in the room. I 100% agree you cannot blame the officiating for this game being lost there was that holding a blatant holding call on the kick return yep. for a touchdown uh there are a couple there's a, a massive mac jones face mask got mixed that missed yep. that should have been an extended drive but again that happens rest miss things what they but i st- still don't understand and it's not just a patriots issue it's just an nfl issue and has been for years now in that there's just zero consistency zero commonality and zero common sense when it comes to what constitutes a catch and I have not heard or seen a single angle replay or explanation that leads me to believe the NFL got the Hunter Henry reversal remotely right. He had yep. possession. 
His hands were over the goal line. The zoom in saw his hands were under the ball even. And the surviving the ground rule that Jesse James had was a victim of against the Patriots, the Steelers in 2018 has since been altered to make sure that would have been a catch in 2022. So I just don't understand what they saw there. I just don't, I just don't see it. Oh, totally. Especially when people show it next to the Travis Kelsey score, air quote score that like that was allowed with the chiefs when it's like, uh, that was far less likely to be an actual catch than what yeah. Hunter Henry did. And it's like, it's one of those things where they called it on the field as such. And like, there just wasn't enough evidence to overturn it. That's like, that's the thing that bothers me the most is that like a uh, worst case scenario is that like, uh, he didn't drop the ball. <laughs> like if, if they were like, uh, he had to like reget possession of it or anything like that, like that'd be fine. But like, he didn't drop the ball he he had the ball and if he like they're like he didn't maintain possession through the ground it's like but he kind of he did there wasn't enough to say that he didn't like the original call was a touchdown and if 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 it was called an incomplete pass at first and then they reviewed it and they're like you know there's not enough consistency to say that like he actually held on to it to score i'd be like that sucks but okay but the fact that it was initially called a score, there just wasn't enough to overturn it. And that's the, probably the most frustrating part. No, it's true. And again, this is not a Patriots issue. You, you, I think the words you see in the replay discussion ruling is indisputable, incontrovertible evidence that the call on the field was incorrect. And you see it all over the league. You see these really wishy-washy calls getting overturned, which is really weird. It means that the call on the field doesn't matter as much as it should matter. And it just, again, this is not necessarily just a Patriots thing. This league has no clue what a catch is, and they're probably never going to figure out. Uh, I'm going to make a wild statement and say that catching a football is an important part of this game. And <laughs> the fact that they just don't know what that means, uh, I think it's going to just cost teams games in big moments from now until infinity. There's nothing we can do about it. And the teams that get screwed by it are going to be on podcasts, bitching and moaning about it. And the teams that benefit from it are going to be like, well, that's just the way it is. And, and we're on to the next. Uh, totally. and, um, it sucks, but... Again, my last thought works. on it, I have one last thought on it too, though. And like the, the biggest reason why I think it's a valid complaint for Patriots fans is that you just have to like look at the series of events that happened. The Patriots led, uh, you know, Hunter Henry score right uh, coming out of the half. So they were up 23-16. Then you have that missed, like very blatant hold on the kick return. That's seven points. And then you go to that Hunter Henry play that like had to settle for a field goal. That's a four point play. So officiating on just two plays in back-to-back drives was an 11 point swing against the Patriots. And so that is a reason why it's like, okay, like, come on. Like that is, that is the, that is deciding the game when you're not making those calls or you are making those calls. And so Patriots fans, feel free to complain about this one. This is not a situation where it's like one play would have decided it. It was a continuous mishap and bad plays where like, obviously the Patriots could have and should have played better against the Vikings. They had a lot of issues, uh, but it was, and like, it was just a series of bad plays by the Patriots after those uh, bad officiating calls. Um, but it, it was enough to tip the scales. It's worth, it's like, okay to be frustrated about this one because it's not just like uh, one small thing. There was a series of really big things that were missed. No, there were, and it was a primetime game and it just, it's, it's very frustrating when it comes down to things like that. And plus rich, I can't think of anything that unites sports fans more than complaining about the officiating when your team loses. <laughs> it's just, it's something you kind of, it's, it's your American duty to do. 
So I'm glad you and I are, are doing our part here. But again, look, that still wasn't the reason the Patriots lost this game. You can definitely make the case, but they had opportunities to win. They could have held on. They could have stopped them. Uh, but, you know, let's talk about the defense, because I feel like the defense kind of missed a little bit, uh, particularly the pass rush. One thing mm-hmm. I did not expect to happen was a completely non-existent pass rush. Only one sack on Kirk Cousins. He had plenty of time. I don't know what it is about primetime Kirk Cousins that causes his inner kind of Tom Brady to come out, but he just lights it up in primetime. He had too much time to throw, and it shows from his 300-yard passing day, including a buck 40 to Justin Jefferson, uh, the one player the Patriots could not afford to have go off. Uh, he went off. Held him to only 57 yards rushing, which is good, but I feel like in the passing defense, they couldn't get home, they couldn't get to the quarterback and pay the price as a result. Totally. They only got pressure on him on 13% of his dropbacks, which was the lowest amount of pressure all year. And part of it is like the Patriots made the decision to drop a lot into coverage. Like they, they wanted to ensure that, uh, you know, he didn't have any easy passes and like outside of Justin Jefferson, it did kind of work. Uh, like that's, I guess, kind of part of it where it's like the defense in my mind wasn't bad. No, they were bad. Like, like you, you think of like, okay, you you take off seven points for that kick return. Like the defense allowed, uh, you know, 26 points, which is like not bad against this thing, but it's like still not great. I think the biggest issue is that, uh, there were just those back-breaking penalties. Like, it was like the defense was doing well, and then here's a face mask call. The defense was doing well, and then here's, like, a 40-yard catch by Justin Jefferson on third and 17. Like, it was just, like, the little things that just broke through. And, like, yes, the Patriots, in my head, I think they misjudged it. They should have generated more pressure on Kirk Cousins. Um, But, like, that was their plan, was to just make sure that Kirk couldn't cook. Um and uh, they just like Justin Jefferson won that game. He took it over There's Like you got to tip your cap. He is probably uh, the best receiver in the league. I don't know if there's many that I would put over him, um, but like you look at Kirk Cousins completing 80% of his catches, uh, there should have been some sort of adjustment because the Patriots, you know, they weren't getting home and, and, you know, Kirk Cousins of all the quarterbacks in the league is able to take advantage of the Patriots uh, defensive style which is, uh, you know, thinking kind of back to like the Alex Smiths of the world where it's like, you're not like the most physically capable quarterback, but what the Patriots want teams to do are, you know, lead 10 plus play scoring drives. And Kirk Cousins was very happy to do that. You know, let eight play drive, 14 play drive, nine play, 14 play, six. And then like, he was able to chip it down because he's very comfortable checking down. He's very comfortable taking the routes underneath. And that's what the Patriots were leaving open. And that's why the Vikings led time of possession 36 to 24. Like that is that is the ball game right there. And the Patriots didn't make the adjustments that I think they needed to. No, they didn't. I mean, the Vikings scored in their first three possessions out of the half uh, and then punted on their last two, which, again, gave New England opportunities to tie the game. But they couldn't finish the ball offensively, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it's tough because, you know, Kirk Cousins, he's a good quarterback. I feel like he's one of those players that just kind of gets constantly crapped on and he delivers when it matters. He's one of those enigmatic guys that no one really wants to say is good, but he's a good quarterback. And it, he takes what the defense gives him. And he has no shame in checking down if he needs to. And it really works. You may not like that style of play. You may prefer the guy to throw the ball under behind his back, 60 yards down the field, the triple coverage. But I'd rather my quarterback score points. Uh, so give credit where credit is due. I'm with you. I just wish they'd kind of dialed up more blitzes and and gone more kind of confusing with their 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 pre-snap looks and, and done something to stop the the aerial attack. And I, I agree also, you're just not gonna stop Justin Jefferson. 
just not going to stop him. He's going to get his, and it's fun to watch. I really appreciate receivers of that talent level. It frustrates me when they're on other teams because the <laughs> Patriots can't seem to draft receivers. I don't think I see Tyquan Thornton anywhere on the box score, <laughs> but them's the breaks. Uh, uh, Patriots lost, non-conference loss. But do you think this this impacts, uh, like besides the actual loss, what do you think this loss does for the Patriots' playoff chances? Yeah, honestly, I didn't expect the Patriots to win this game. Like, as in, I know, I think I put in the predictions that they, I thought they would. You did. Uh, but, like, going back to August, if we were to, like, when we were doing our predictions for the entire season, like, the Patriots sitting at six and five is, I know, I think we had them at seven and four at this point. And, yep. like, outside of that Bears loss, like, everything's kind of going how we expected. Like, I, I thought that the Patriots could have pulled it off and they should have pulled it off. But, like, I don't know. I like. I don't think that this does any big judgment piece, other than in my mind, uh, a is the Patriots' defense the product of playing really bad backup quarterbacks, and as soon as they play competent quarterbacks, they look atrocious. Uh, or is it, uh, you know, like this was just a, a game where Justin Jefferson won and like players make plays like players on the Vikings stepped up and like, they did a great job. They had a good plan. They had quick passes. Like they, they attacked the Patriots defense and the Patriots didn't have a response for it, uh, on those big drives. Is that one category on the other hand, is this a Patriots offense that we can count on? Because if the Patriots offense shows up like they did against the Vikings and like, obviously they need to do better in the red zone, but like, this is an offense that like, if you pair it with how well the defense had played over the first half of the year, you can compete. You can compete with it. Like if this is the offense that we can now expect that, you know, I know the Vikings don't have a great defense, but if you can get Devonte Parker and Aguilar and Henry, all of those players involved, and then you still have Stevenson being a hundred yard player a game. If you can have that, is this the offense that you can expect? Because if this offense shows up with the defense of the first, you know, 11 weeks of the season, then this is one of the top three, four teams in the AFC. And like, I I think that they could have a chance to make a run. Well, I guess we will soon find out, my friend, because there's a backup quarterback coming into town tonight in Josh Allen that scrub <laughs> and the Buffalo Bills team that early on in the year looked absolutely dominant, fell off a cliff a little bit and they're hit with the injury and the illness bug. So I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on that game in week 13 in the NFL on the second half of the podcast. We're going to break that game down in a minute. Anything to talk about the Vikings? Should we move on? Let's move on. All right, let's take a break here and be right back. All right, Rich, it is week 13. Pats Vikings behind us. Pats Bills tonight kicking off the slate, 8.15 p.m. at Gillette. No wind in the forecast, unfortunately, so Mac Jones will be throwing it more than three times. But before, <laughs> before we do that, though, let's go around the league here. Uh, some pretty good games on the slate and games that could have some potential playoff implications, uh, starting amazingly with the Jets game. The Jets are playing their playoff lives. Jets-Vikings. I mean, this could be a, a big one from a Patriots perspective. Um, and then Dolphins-49ers should be a good game. So a lot of good games in the AFC East. That could hopefully, if it goes well, uh, help New England bump up a couple slots in the AFC East standings because they are currently sitting in the basement. Yeah, totally. I mean, if, if the Patriots somehow find a way to beat the Bills and then the Vikings and 49ers, are the, which who are the home teams, take care of business, uh, Patriots won't be in the bottom they'll like be creeping their way up. Like this is a very competitive division. I, and I, I think it's very, very possible that the 49ers win and that the Vikings win as well. Um, but you know, Mike white has the jets humming. Like this is a, uh, the jets have like a top five defense. And when you have Mike white under center, there's enough talent on offense that like 
they're pretty much in the same situation as the Patriots. Like if they can have a competent offense, like that is why the Patriots and the Jets are in lockstep. And so Patriots are fortunate that Zach Wilson was so bad <laughs> that they could win the the head to head this year. Um, but if, if the Vikings beat the Jets, uh, like I, I don't think it's a guarantee but it's very possible. And if they're able to do that, then that would be probably the biggest thing that the Patriots need because I don't see them catching the Bills with the Dolphins in the, the division. And they have that tiebreaker against the Jets. And so the Patriots need to at least keep in lockstep with the Jets for the rest of the year. They do. Again, I think the, it's, it's very possible that the entire AFC East makes the playoffs, which is a wild statement that I would never thought I'd say for a lot of reasons. But here, here we <laughs> find ourselves. Uh, Tua is actually creeping into the MVP conversation right wow. now, which is pretty wild. So, again, good for him. He's fun to watch. Uh, New England fans, we spent so many decades at the top. I, I'm actually kind of enjoying this AFC East resurgence uh, in a weird way, even though the Patriots are the quote-unquote worst team in that division right now. Uh, we also have an interesting AFC matchup in Chiefs-Bengals, Rich. Yes. That could be um, possibly the game of the week on, on Sunday, at least. It's in the late the late slate. What are your thoughts on that game? It's in Cincy. Yeah, I mean, Bengals upset them last year in the postseason. Yeah. I think the Chiefs are going to have revenge. I mean, Patrick Mahomes should be the very obvious and easy favorite for MVP yet again. Like he is dominant. He is back to what he is there. Like Tyreek Hill helped him so much, but like he is clipping with Kansas city. And I think Joe Burrow is doing a great job with Cincy. They've been missing Jamar chase, but like Joe Burrow has been elevating his game. This is uh, I'm surprised it's not like a more primetime game. And you get Colts Cowboys, like, come on, y'all. <laughs> like that's, that's brutal. But like this, this is going to be a great game. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like another, you know, 35-35 type of situation. Bengals could pull it out, but if, if I had to put my money down, I'd say that the Chiefs are going to win that one just because I feel like they're just too good. They're definitely the class of the AFC. Yeah, no, I, I'm probably betting for the Chiefs or on the Chiefs the entire rest of the season. They'll drop one or two more games because that just happens. That's football. But yeah, they're just they're really coming into stride at the right time. I think the AFC is theirs to lose at this point, and I'll be very surprised if the AFC Championship is not in Kansas City again. Uh, real quick, Rich, before we get to the Bills game, our boy Tom Brady is struggling a little bit over in Tampa Bay. Yeah. He lost to the Browns somehow on some very questionable coaching decisions, if, if I'm being a homer and a, a realist. Um, <laughs> They're playing the Saints, who have traditionally given them trouble in the past, not so much this season. They're at home against New Orleans. You see the Bucs still making a, a late postseason run? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like, it's not even Brady, really. Like, they are first in the NFC South. They are fortunately in the worst division in all of football. So, like, yep. can they stay ahead of the five and seven Falcons? Yeah, the Falcons are bad. The Panthers are bad. The Saints are bad. And so even though the Bucs are uh, going through some really bad coaching, they're still playing solid defense. And, you know, Tom Brady will will them to to victory on offense. You know, they, he and Mike Evans uh, have been up and down this year, but they have so much talent. Evans, Godwin, Julio, like they have Scotty Miller, I feel like has been reliable for him. There's enough players that like this offense should be doing better. And like, when you look at what's actually going on, it's really just like the running game that's been failing them uh, and like making it so imbalanced, but like he's still your normal Tom Brady. Like that's like the biggest takeaway that I have is that he's not falling off. He is still playing extremely well. He is, uh, you know, avoiding turnovers. He's not scoring as many touchdowns, but he's completing as he normally does. He's avoiding sacks as he normally does. Uh, the touchdowns will come and everything else is like kind of as expected. And so I think that they'll write the ship. They'll make the postseason. It might be a one and done sort of situation, 
But I, I think that the real question is after this contract, where does he go? <laughs> yeah, there are some rumors floating around that he comes back to New England for another season. Uh, I am not going to touch that rumor with a 10-foot pole right now for a lot of reasons, <laughs> uh, mainly because we have a quarterback already, and he's playing tonight against the Buffalo Bills, so that is where my focus is. It is on Mac Jones versus Josh Allen, Patriots versus Buffalo. I don't think Buffalo was punted since that Monday night game <laughs> against the Patriots. That's a long time ago. Let's get started, Pay Rich. Let's start with the Bills offense against the Patriots defense, because that's probably going to be where, if the Patriots are able to hang on in this game, the defense gets to play out of their minds. There are some injuries. The left tackle will be out for Buffalo. I guess there's some kind of illness that's ripping through the locker room. So who knows what kind of shape they're going to be in. But on paper, at least, uh, it seems the Bills have a pretty distinct advantage against this Patriots defense, particularly in that Josh Allen is a mobile quarterback. New England has always struggled with mobile quarterbacks. He's also a hard guy to tackle. So to be obvious for a second, you know, stop Josh Allen, stop the Bills passing attack. They'll do okay. But the question is like, how do you stop Josh Allen from extending plays with his legs? That's my question to you. Yeah. I mean, my X factor, I'm just going to go up front, is going to be Matthew yeah. Judon. Because I, I think the biggest problem that the Patriots had with Josh Allen was just gap containment last year. Like that was their biggest failure in ensuring that he stayed in the pocket was just over pursuit by the pass rushers. And a lot of that was led by Judon. Like Dietrich Wise, he's going to be reliable. I feel like he he is just fundamentally sound uh, in the, the same vein as Trey Flowers. But Judon can go up and down with uh, his overcommitment on the pass rush, which leaves the Patriots vulnerable to Josh Allen escaping. And I would be shocked if the Patriots didn't have, you know, Adrian Phillips or Jabril Peppers out there to spy Josh Allen because you need to have a spy on him. But he's just too much of a freak athlete to expect those players to take him down to the open field without having or allowing Allen to make a positive play. So my X factor is going to be Judon. Can he keep contain on the edge? Can he help squeeze the pocket? Because if he's able to do that, then I think the Patriots will have a fighting chance. But if, you know, if Josh Allen's able to extend just like three third down plays over the course of the game with his legs, then I, I don't think the Patriots can keep up with the Bills. Yeah, no, I mean, it's funny you, you mentioned Jabril Peppers and, and, and Phillips because my X Factor actually would be Kyle Duggar, who I want to put in that, that Mac Wilson spiral that they put on against the Jets. I don't think Mac Wilson's athletic enough to take on Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. I think Kyle Duggar is our best athlete in the, mm -hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. And, um, you know, if I, just, if I would be totally fine if they assigned Duggar, you just look at Josh Allen. If he's passing it, you, you, you hit him. If he's running it, you hit him. And that is his role in this entire game. We'll leave the tight end coverage to Peppers. And Wilson, maybe you get some some linebacker help. But I, if, if Duggar is just like zeroed in on Josh Allen the whole time, I think it's probably our best bet to stop him. Because, again, he's going to get his. It's not going to be one of those, you know, limited kind of Zach Wilson 12 sacks kind of situation. But it just can't be these third and 14, third and 16. Josh Allen picks up 28 yards on a run. It's just you, you, I can already see it happening. And it, they're not only are they just morally backbreaking, but they, they keep drives alive, points on the board. And I think offensive possessions are going to be crucial for the Patriots tonight. Every offensive possession has to matter. And to be able to force a third long or a fourth and short and knock it off the field will be a backbreaker. So I think they have to know that, go in, and really sell out to stop him from doing what he does. That's interesting. I mean, my first gut when I heard that was like, you can't take Duggar out of coverage. Like, you can't do that. They got Dawson Knox. He's so good. And you also need to take care of space in the middle of the field because Gabriel Davis and Isaiah McKenzie are going to be doing a lot of routes 
down there. You know, McKenzie destroyed the Patriots with his crossing routes last year. And so you need someone like Duggar in the middle of the field. And Gabriel Davis is just going to be sprinting down the field. So like what, like you can't take Duggar out of that. But on the second thought, uh, Josh Allen's far more dangerous than Dawson Knox. If you're talking about who are the players that you have to shut down, uh, Stefan Diggs is obviously number one, but like as far as offensive weapons go, Josh Allen's probably number two, like above any of the other receivers or running backs. Josh Allen uh, is averaging over 50 yards on the ground per game. He's leading the bills. (laughs) Like he he is their top back. Um, So I I think that that would actually make sense if you move Duggar over there in the same way that, you know, in games past, like sometimes it made sense to move Stefan Gilmore onto the tight end if that's who their top player was. Um, I think if you look at the rest of the players, the Patriots had their hands full with Justin Jefferson. Uh, it doesn't get easier with digs. Like this is going to be hard. And so what should the Patriots do here? Like if, if you are the Patriots, what sort of matchups do you think you need to do here? Because they got destroyed in man last year because they just couldn't keep up with Isaiah McKenzie. And if you go into zone though, Stefan Diggs is so savvy. He's just going to have a field day out there. So what are you going to do if you're the Patriots? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, if man doesn't work and zone doesn't work, you add some kind of man-zone hybrid. You know, I maybe do like a, a press coverage at the line, put John Jones on Stephon Diggs with safety help over the top. Maybe play a lot of that big nickel, maybe a base dime package even. You know, I think, again, like your, your point about Josh Allen being the leading rusher for the Buffalo Bills, and if Josh Allen is a focal point of a Kyle Duggar, of an Adrian Phillips, of a Matt Judon, whoever, they, I'm not worried about the Bills gashing the Patriots on the ground. And if they do... So be it. I, I'm, I'd be okay with that. You know, I, I I use this example all the time about that that Patriots Broncos game back in 2013, whatever it was, where No. Sean Moreno, I believe it was, rushed for like 200 yards because mm-hmm. that's what the Patriots gave him. Um, so I, I think you you just kind of just do a really confusing looks at the line. You're always bracketing coverage. You maybe you bump guys off the line, try and disrupt the timing a bit, and just don't give anything over the top. I think the Patriots are are, are vulnerable to big plays sometimes. And you know if you can do like I mean an underzone man over the top, uh, I'll be very curious to see what their base defensive formation is. I imagine yeah. more defensive backs on the field is going to be the the name of the game today. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just hoping that they have some some versatility and ability to adapt. Uh, one thing we're, I think we're seeing all seasons, the Patriots aren't as good as they've been in years past at, at changing and shifting and, and adapting based on what the offense is doing in the second half and beyond. So uh, maybe if the Bills gash them early. They can switch coverages up. They can do something different. But I think it's all going to come down to what that, that base defense is. It's nickel, if it's dime, if it's a quarters base. We're very curious to see what happens and how they're able to kind of disrupt the coverage and, and, and disrupt the timing more than anything else. Yeah, no, and like that's so hard because like this is a track team that they're facing. I wish the Patriots yeah. could just clone Jonathan Jones because they need a few of them out there Yeah, because uh, Miles Bryant got torched by McKenzie. And so, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think they'll play like six defensive backs. will be a lot of dime for this game, uh, but with like three safety, three corners. And like the safeties are going to be your linebackers for this. And I am wondering if you're like, you're saying about like with the, the Broncos defense, like should the Patriots allow them to run the ball? Like, should they allow Devin Singletary to cook? If it means that they don't go through the air, that's probably their best bet. Like if I'm the Patriots, I, I put uh, Jalen Mills uh, on digs and man coverage. Uh, then you have Jonathan Jones on Gabriel Davis. And then, technically miles bryant uh on mckenzie just because that's how they've been playing i'd probably try marcus jones <laughs> like give him a shot out there uh just because i feel like that would be uh you know a good wrinkle um but then you have Devin mccordy deep you have kyle duggar uh and then adrian phillips or jabril peppers in the box i, I think that that's uh gives them enough 
uh, coverage and run defense ability uh, just because you, you need it. And then you can have Juwan Bentley in the middle and then just, you know, uh, your, your three or four down linemen. Um, I, I think that that gives you the best chance to cover players by allowing you to do some version of bracket coverage um, while also ensuring that you have your safeties over the top. Like cover two is definitely what people will suggest for the Patriots to have as a coverage package, just so Diggs and Davis don't go over the top. But then you need to have reliable people underneath to ensure that they're not just nickel and diming you all the way down the field. And that's the biggest challenge. Are they up to it? I'm not sure. And if they're not up to it, uh, What's your thought on Mac Jones and the offense uh, doing anything against the Spills team? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest question I've been asking myself all week, and I haven't gotten an answer yet. Maybe you do, and maybe you can kind of guide my decision. Uh, what do you think we're going to see more of tonight? Uh, Bills punts or Mac Jones getting sacked? <sighs> oh, God, I don't like that game. Yeah. Um, I, I I think that the Patriots are uh, – Hmm. <laughs> um, i don't know right it's like yeah it's I, I don't know i can't answer the question and i think obviously it's, it's going to depend on a lot of things you know they played well against the vikings uh the vikings front line is not the bills front line luckily for us von miller is out unfortunately for the nfl von miller is out hopefully he's back soon one of my all-time favorite players um but you know this is this is a fierce bills defense a fierce bill bills pass rush there's a lot of athletes strong linebacking core uh going to cause fits for a, a shoddy and shaky offensive line. Isaiah went out. Not that I'm counting as a huge loss, but mm. I think just so much of this is going to be a, to be again, obvious how much time Mac Jones has to throw and B, if it's becoming obvious, he has no time to throw. Do the pages have enough plays in their playbook to get the ball out quickly? Are they going to finally get some quick slants, some wide receiver screens, some, some screens to Ramondre Stevenson? Are they going to have a, a Damian, uh, a JJ Taylor kind of game where he gets activated from the practice squad? I, 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 I don't know if they have the enough offensive firepower or co- co- uh, continuity or cohesiveness to adapt to a pass rush if the Bills are getting home in like two or three seconds. I just don't know if they have the, the ability to, to make that adjustment this year. Totally. Yeah. I mean, like, I think the that is the question, and that's something that they failed to, to show. The biggest thing that is different between what the Patriots had last year against this, this uh, Bills defense, uh, beyond the fact that the Patriots have an entirely new offense, is the fact that this uh, – this Bills defense is not the same. Jordan Jordan Poyer has been dealing with injuries all year. Micah Hyde's out. Like this is, they are missing their safety duo, which has been the heart and soul of this entire Bills secondary in defense. You know, they're relying on Taron Johnson uh, and Dane Jackson at cornerback. Uh, it, they, and you know, they have a rookie Kyrie Elam who I really liked coming out, but like this secondary of the Bills is not the same Bills secondary that we've had in the past. Their linebackers are still great. Matt Milano, uh, Tremaine Edmonds are, are still, in my mind, like one of the best duos in the entire league as it relates to being able to do it all. Uh, they, they can both run and they can catch, but like Tremaine Edmonds been dealing with injuries. Uh, and so uh, will he be available? Not sure. Um, and so I, I think that uh, the Patriots need to capitalize on the fact that this is a weaker version of the Bills and a Bills defense that has benefited so fully by the explosiveness of its offense 
And so the Patriots, I think, need to just counterpunch each time. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots decided to air it out against this Bills team, even though the Bills have shown uh, the ongoing struggles against the run. If the Patriots offensive line can replicate what they did against the Vikings, I see no reason why, uh, you know, especially if Jacoby Myers is active and healthy, the Patriots can't do what they did against the Browns, did against the, the Vikings and have, you know, five players with 60 plus yards on the day. I would love that. It would mean distribution. It would mean receptions. It would mean less sacks. Uh, it would be it'd be a, a good news all around. I do wonder if there'll be any any straight up deep shots. You know, I'm I'm, I'm slowly giving up hope on a Tyquan Thornton go route this season, but you never know. Uh, I don't know if they're gonna maybe one or two of those in the playbook they can have for later in the game if they are noticing some good protection schemes. Uh, that's why my X factor's got to be Hunter Henry. I think mm-hmm. not only as a, a tight end, a kind of safety outlet across the middle, but as just an extra guy on the line to chip and motion and hopefully Mac Jones can correctly diagnose the, the pre-package, the, the pre-snap schemes and, and move Hunter Henry into fullback role. You see that sometimes the tight end lines up as a fullback to block for run or whatever it is. Uh, I think the versatility of the new England tight end duo. I mean, Jonas Smith still is on the team in case you forgot. <laughs> Uh, I think will be a factor today. And, and Hunter Henry's probably the best option as a pass protector and pass catcher. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's uh, necessary because I think when you have the weaker safeties, you have linebackers that are banged up, you know, Trey Matt has been dealing with a groin injury. Like that gives opportunities up the middle and Hunter Henry has been their only reliable red zone target uh, of the past two years. And so he has to score. He has to find his way into the end zone. Um, I like that. I, I think I'm also not expecting Taekwon Thornton. I think I've also reached a point where I'm not expecting anything out of Kendrick Bourne, like disappointingly so. But I think that this is going to be a big Devontae Parker day. Uh, I, I think that he has been on the cusp so much this year. Uh, he is still the Patriots' like most efficient receiver. Uh, I think Jacoby Myers has been the best one, but Parker has been the most efficient receiver. He's going to get some favorable matchups against this Bills team. Uh, that, you know, is pretty banged up in the secondary. Uh, As you said, they've been dealing with illnesses, like pretty much the entire secondary room has been hit by it. Um, But you look at the Patriots, uh, Damien Harris is out. Uh, Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, not players that you really rely on on uh, offense. And then J.J. Taylor, probably going to be a a late game day activation. But like Stevenson is going to be the guy on the ground. He's going to probably play 100% of snaps, if we're being honest. And you know he's going to get his. But the biggest difference, the way to elevate this Patriots offense is through the air. That is the only way they can keep up with this Bills team. It's the only way that they can pull off this upset. And Parker, I think, has been so close to being on the cusp. And like he's been reliable. He's been consistent. And I think that he's going to take off against this Bills team. I love it. Again, and also this, this Bills team hasn't looked great the past couple of weeks due to injuries, due to whatever the case may be. They, you know, if you look at the kind of first half season bills, second half season bills, they're not as as dangerous as they first. I think you were on a podcast with me earlier in the year. We're like, are the bills? Are they going to lose at any point? They were just scoring at will. Um, but you know, they're they're banged up. They're sick. You know, they're not quite the same. They are coming to Gillette. Not that it mattered last year, but uh, the good news is, Rich. I I one thing I know for sure. One prediction I can definitely make is I do not think it will be as embarrassing as it was in the wild card game where the bills just scored touchdowns on every single possession. And it was over by halftime. Uh, I do think the Pats keep this one closer than that. Uh, how much closer than that? Uh, I, I don't know. And I'm willing to predict the game with you if you're ready. Yep. Let's do it. All right. Let's see. So I had the pa- Vikings winning last time. You had the Patriots. So I back with the hammer. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, when the season first started, 
I said swept by the Bills, sweep the Dolphins, uh, sweep the the Jets, split with the Dolphins in the AFC East. And the only game I've been wrong on so far when my early season predictions was the Bears game. So I'm going to stick with my gut and say the Bills sweep the Patriots this season. Bills win this one. Uh, they're just a better team all around. They've had the extra days to prepare as well because they played the Lions on Thanksgiving. They are hurt. They are injured. But Josh Allen is still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And the Patriots really struggle against mobile quarterbacks. And yep. they always probably will until something drastic happens. So I think the Bills take this one something to the tune of 27 to 16. Uh, all right. You son of a gun. Um, I mean, I agree with that. I, I think that this Patriots team has only shown us that they will be atrocious on defense against the Lamar Jacksons, the Justin Fields, and the Josh Allens of the world. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was their problem last year. It's been extraordinarily evidently still the problem this year. I see nothing on defense that would make me feel like this Bills game will be any different. So I think that Josh Allen and the offense are going to have a field day. Um, That said, I think that I have seen enough from this Patriots offense that I don't think that they're going to be as terrible as they had been in that like few game stretch uh, around the bye week. Uh, I I think we can expect to see something out of them. Maybe they'll keep the game competitive until late, but I I think that this Bills offense is just too potent. I, I see the the Bills kind of pulling away with this one at the end to the tune of like a, a 34-24 uh, win with the Patriots, maybe with the ball at the end, but like not being able to do anything with it. 34-24 Bills. Well, hopefully you and I are both wrong next week and I have to do some math to figure out uh, how wrong we were. <laughs> I'd also love to see 24 points on this Bills defense. That would, I, yeah. that would that, that'd be a nice nice thing as well. Again, not only are this – I think the important thing to always keep in mind in this kind of new era of Patriots football is we're no longer in a scenario where every season it is a singular focus and it is win the Super Bowl. And that is all we're thinking about. This is a still kind of building team. They're going to have a lot of cap space next year. So we're looking at this as a multi-year process. And can this team compete? with the Buffalo Bills tonight. That's the thing that we'll think about and and worry about. Does it look totally one-sided like it did last year? Or is this team that kind of hung around for a while? And if they can hang around for a while and maybe lose late, I'll be very happy with that. Yep, totally. And if they can pull that off, like maybe it'll set them off for the rest of the year. Like this is definitely one of their hardest games that they have to face over the rest of the season is like their two games against the Bills. So like if they can keep it competitive, if they can make it feel like, oh, the game against the Vikings wasn't a mirage, then like I think they can avoid a late season collapse like they had against uh, or like last year. Uh, I, I think that they have a tough rest of the schedule. I mean, obviously, they they finish the season at the Bills. Uh, they have to host the Dolphins and then they host the Bengals. That's a brutal three game stretch. Um, but with the, the Cardinals and the Raiders games, like also on the road, that's difficult. But I, I think that those are winnable games. I think that they can win at least one of the Bengals, Dolphins and final Bills games. And so if they can at least keep show that they can be competitive against this Bill stretch, uh, I, I see no reason why they couldn't sneak in as the last wild card team. Never know, Rochelle. And again, it might be kind of fun if the entire AFC East makes up the the playoff bracket. I mean, it'd be interesting to watch. And if it's like Patriots, Jets in the wild card round, or in like the divisional round, that'd be just a, a wild scenario that is on the table technically. But again, yeah, worry about that later. Let's take care of the Bills tonight, <laughs> if it's even possible. And again, I just again, I'll go back to my answer question. I just hope there are more Bills punts than Mac Jones. <laughs> that was that would just be a nice stat to have on the board. Totally. Well, we'll be breaking down this game afterwards. Uh, Alec, do you have any final thoughts as the Patriots set to host Bills on December 1st? We are in December uh, of this NFL season. Uh, I guess uh, the best thing I can say is, uh, well, here goes nothing.
<laughs> All right. Yeah, they got nothing to lose. And so until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya. All right. Later.